Hey everybody, welcome to That Will Never Work. This week's guest, Stephanie Coltris O'Neill, is the owner of fashion retail business Estilo, based in Austin, Texas. Her highly curated selection of designer clothes and pride in customer service means she has a loyal tribe of local customers. But she sees the potential for further growth, both at her brick and mortar locations and in her online offering. But when your local competition is the big box stores and online it's Goliaths like Revolve and Amazon, what's the best strategy for success? Can you even scale personal touch? Well, grab your slingshots and let's get into the episode. Hi, I'm Mark Randolph, co-founder of Netflix and six other companies. Over the years, I've heard that will never work thousands of times, but I've learned there are things we all can do to increase the chances that they will. So join me for That Will Never Work. Stephanie, welcome to That Will Never Work. Hi. I'm excited to have the conversation. You're one of the classic entrepreneurs who's uh, fighting the good fight, and I'm eager to see what I can do to help. So why don't we start this off? Why don't you give us a sense of what you're working on, uh, how it's going, and maybe we can segue then into what I could possibly help you with. Absolutely. So I have a clothing store, Estilo Boutique, and I've had it now for 17 years. Um, I'm, I'm feeling very grateful that I am still around after a, a pandemic, two recessions now, <laughs> and I actually think I'm better off for it. Um, we have women's and men's clothing, and I have actual three physical stores, an online store, and we actually launched our own app this past year too. And that's been great for us. So we have done a great job of pivoting and reacting throughout this pandemic. Um, and we're actually at an incredible place sales-wise, the best we've ever been right now. So I'm at a place now is what's next? What is my next step now that we've kind of hopefully survived the pandemic? Um, and now we're in hopefully a growth phase again. So you have two stores and an outlet in Austin, Texas, Austin. is that right? Yes. And do you also sell online? I do sell online. Yes, our online sales have actually grown since 2019 200%. So it's definitely gotten a stronger audience now, which is great. Well, that's probably not a good, very revealing metric because if you went from $100 to $300, <laughs> right? that's not so impressive. What percentage of your business approximately is online? 5%. So it's not a huge percentage. <laughs> okay, there yeah. you go. As they say, lots of growth off of a small base, but it's exactly. okay. Like you said, you've got 17 years of experience of figuring out how to look someone in the eye and quickly say, I see you in a seersucker blazer or whatever. Uh, That's that exactly right. <laughs> um, so to, but though it's a good way to segue into what is your, uh, what does differentiate you? There's a million places to buy clothes. Absolutely. You know, we've had a strong clientele, fortunately. We um, are kind of a one-stop shop for our clients. We're located in a really great community and we've become kind of their one-stop shop. Um, we open at 8 a.m. because we're in a shopping center that's across from an elementary school and the drop-off is 7.45 a.m. So they are quickly heading over to do something for themselves um, and shop at 8 a.m. So that is something that um, I think is taking us through all of this is we have a loyal clientele because we're a warm and inviting space and we know our clients really well. So that's one of the difficulties I have in scaling is how do I bottle that up and take it to another store or how do I have that presence online as well? 
Yeah, it's true. That, that, that is one of the things that fails um, online or certainly is a lot more challenging online. And had I remembered that I was speaking to somebody who's a fast study of fashion, I probably would have been a bit more careful about <laughs> what I wear. Like, what you do you look think? great. Yeah, yeah thank you. See, a little kind of very festive. It's a floral. <laughs> it's a floral, as they say. Thank and I you. Like I like color. I like that you're wearing color. My, my family loves playing this game with me. Well, they'll walk up and say, look up, what color shirt do you have on? And like, <laughs> two-thirds of the time, I haven't any idea. So that's you're getting clothes advice from someone who has no idea about right. what they're doing. But I <laughs> well, do know great. a little bit about the time. Thank you. Oh, see, that counts for something. Um, but I do um, uh, think I have a sense of what you're struggling with. Um, and... I have come to believe that there are ways uh, to reasonably compete, but it's got to be tougher than ever. But let me ask you this question. I mean, certainly every single one of your customers could go to Amazon, but be more specific about the differentiation. Can they buy the same things or is your stuff really unique? Right. Or is it, how important is the personal touch? And are you there uh, seven days a week from 8 a.m. until 6? Yes, all of the above. So we carry a curation of lines that I personally curate. I go to market four or five times a year and I pick the different designers that I'm going to carry international, domestic. So it's a great one-stop shop because I've already curated all the best looks. I am there seven days a week for the most part. I have little kids, so not as much during the weekends, but I know pretty much 95% of the clientele that's walking through that door. Um, we've definitely established incredible relationships with all of our clients. They've gone as far as finding a deal online and saying, I'd rather buy it from you. Can you match this? Or even if you can give me a little bit of a percentage, I'd rather support local and support you. Um, so we've curated a great following and partly because we've curated incredible lines. Um, and I think that's why our online presence has grown because we carry some great designers that you can find in other big box stores. But we also carry a lot of small designers um, because I personally meet the designers. I go to the independent shows at market. I really look for those small and up and coming designers to kind of put them with the mainstream lines as well. So I do think we dif differentiate ourselves with that element because you can't go to the Nordstrom's and the Neiman's and find the up and coming designers. Once they're there, they've already been around for a little bit. So I think our clients know that. Um, and again, I do think our clients value our relationship. Um, which is one of my struggles on how to represent that online or if I do grow to another city or something like that. So one interesting thing would be you now have probably enough online business that you have something, I'm going to use the term statistically significant, but I don't mean literally, but I mean you have enough people that it should be indicative. So tell me about your online um, customers. How do they differ, if at all, from your uh, in-store customers? Well, you know, online is tricky because there's um, we have a, a, an okay return rate. It's not it's lower than the average, but you know they can they try it on, they'll order several different items and then return you know ten percent of it. Like it's it's a struggle because you really can't count on that revenue until the return window has passed. Um, but our online customers they are searching for designers that we have, so I do think. That is what's bringing us, bringing them to our website. And that's how we're competing with the Revolve or the Intermix or Nordstrom because we carry similar designers to them. Once they come, we have a great return rate. So they're consistently coming back to our website and buying more. 
Um, so I do think our online visitors uh, tend to be experimenting a little bit more with some of our stuff. But once they buy from us, they've come back, which is great. And are they geographically different? Are these people all in over, mm -hmm. all over international? We've um, recently shipped to China. Um, we've shipped to Dubai. I mean, fortunately, we've gotten an, a great presence online internationally now, which we didn't have actually before 2019. Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, certainly the return rate is something that you I mean. That's just the nature of online uh, right. garment retailing. Uh, and interestingly enough, you probably see the same thing: women's return rate way higher than men's way return higher. rate, which is kind of an interesting, uh, interesting dynamic. It is. Um, so, when you envision getting larger uh, or scaling, um, are you envisioning scaling the stores or scaling the online business? You know, I envision both, to be honest, because I saw such growth and I never thought I could compete with some of the big box retailers. And we honestly have, in a sense, and um, that people are coming to us before they're going to Revolve to see what we have. Um, so now I really do want to grow online. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think, like I said, we carry similar designers that people want. Um, I do think carrying inventory is a big issue for us, too. How much inventory do I buy right now for my stores? I know exactly what to buy based on metrics based on my clientele, based on what sizes work. Um, for online, it's still kind of a black hole of what do I buy without over committing. And when you're a small business, you know, their terms aren't as easy as if you're the big box retailers. You have to commit six months in advance to your stock for, you know, two seasons ahead of time. Um, and you have to prepay or, you know, there's, there's not a great, they don't allow returns on the wholesale side when you're a small business. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that COVID really has turned everything upside down because prior to this, had we spoken two years ago, I probably would have advised you away from the online, from focusing on the online. But I imagine at this point, or not this point, probably about 18 months ago, you were saying, thank God that I had that <laughs> foothold at uh, Shopify and had some experience and had the account set up because uh, it saved you, right? Absolutely. Um, we were one of the early adopters of Shopify. And as much as I had my issues with Shopify, I was so grateful that we had a strong website when the pandemic hit because people were able, my current customers were able to shop with me and then people were still shopping online. And so that was huge for us. So I think this is the classic strategic um, inflection point. Uh, and... I usually am really confident about the advice I give, and I'm going to be the very, very upfront and say I'm not super confident about what I'm going to say now. So take that with a word, okay. with a grain of salt. My sense is that um, the strategic decision here is what ratio of effort you put between your online business and your store business. And my gut is not to put more not to think that the online business is your savior or that you're big expansion. Uh, I think it's a wonderful adjunct uh, to your business. I think it's a great safety uh, net for your business. I think you can probably figure out ways to leverage the two. But I think the things that you've built your brand upon are going to be hard to scale in that direction. And the economic dynamics, as you've mentioned, and as I know from my, my experience here with online um, 
clothing retailers is really, really different for all the reasons you mentioned. Um, and it's funny when you begin right out of your mouth, the things that differentiate you are very, very much bricks and mortary um, aspects. And I think part of building a great brand is really being clear what are the things that people think about when they think about a Stilo? What are the things that people think about us that they would not think about um, a big box store? And I'm a little surprised. I shouldn't be surprised. Me actually the question, why still three stores? Well, we were kind of in a growth phase prior to the pandemic. Um, and then the pandemic hit. Just when you think you're, you're figuring it all out and let's move to Dallas, and let's move to Houston, um, the pandemic hit and everything came to a rolling stop. Um, and it was just me for a while and I had to pivot. I got innovative and created style boxes um, because my clients couldn't come to my store. So I would drop off style boxes to their doorstep. Um, and so literally every other idea I had besides just staying in business <laughs> had to get pushed aside. Um, and so I find myself now that's where I'm at again is this back then I thought it was a good time to grow and scale and all of that. Um, and I'm getting a little optimistic again, but again, I always get nervous after <laughs> the last two years to get optimistic um, and to think big. But I do feel I'm fully staffed again, thankfully. Our revenue is the best it's ever been. Um, we have a lot of attention right now. And so I feel like it is a good time to just keep that momentum going and grow. And whether that be online or in another city, um, again, it's one of those, how do I scale and how do I take the formula that I have here and replicate it in other cities or wherever my next location is. There's one aspect you can't duplicate, which is you. Yes. Uh, yes. It's one thing for you to bop. I mean, are, are the men's and women's stores adjoined? Or are they in different locations? They're in the same shopping center, but two separate locations. But, you know, you, you can walk back and forth from exactly. one to the other. Right. Yeah. So, th th I mean, listen, uh, you know, even in Austin, if you're east and west or north and south, you can't walk back and forth. So right. the, the, one of the, the strategic things that anyone has to do when they say, how do I expand, is looking very honestly at what are the things, not just that differentiate them, but that differentiate them that are in fact scalable. Mm -hmm. And being able to scale the fact that you greet customers by name or that you know them well enough to drop a box off at their house or even that you can know them well enough to call them up and say, hey, I've just got in a new selection of St. John Knit or whatever it is, that, mm -hmm. um, and you should get down here. It's recognizing what is it that truly separates us, but what's scalable. And mm -hmm. um, if you say this personal touch is the essential ingredient, that is why they pay more rather than going to big box. That's why they pay more rather than looking for it and searching for it on Amazon. I'm not saying that you're stuck, that you've got to stick in your one little shopping center. I'm just saying you've got to be really clever about how do I scale that. Mm -hmm. um, and there are ways that retailers have played that game. You know, they're like Trunk Club and um, the companies who do right. basically pair advisors with customers because they're mm -hmm. trying to say there's got to be an online model for how to have a personal right. touch, a true personal touch, um, even though you're shopping online. So it doesn't back it out, just makes it a little more complicated. And so you mm -hmm. might say, one of the tricks that I have is if it's personal touch, 
is really going off and doing your little retreat and meditating and thinking to yourself, how do I scale that? Is it a, can I train someone else to do this? Will anyone care as much as I do? Can I use technology in the store to do this? Can I use a really deep database of customers in a store that allows someone who's not quite as talented or experienced as I am to do this? It doesn't need to mean you have to take the superficial sense and say, oh, it's impossible because I can't be in two places at the same time. This is how the breakthroughs come, is by saying, here's what I want to achieve. Logically, it's not possible. How can I get close? So that's one dimension to attack this on, is to say, if I believe, for example, personal touch is my secret sauce and I want to scale this, um, I can't duplicate myself, so how could I do this? Right. Or you begin to back into saying, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's location, and which is a very, very reasonable thing to be secret sauce. And you know that, for example, um, you know, Benetton is all about location. So much of their, I mean, lots of other things, but huge place was where they put their stores. Um, and as is most large franchise models is that they, um, where they are is a huge piece of their success. And you may say, I've stumbled on something that we put ourselves places where we're in your schools. Right, and honestly. <laughs> we, open, we open at eight and we serve coffee and we have a little uh, basket full of Xanax. So whatever it is, yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> or, or little you know, airline nips, whatever you need yeah. after you've dropped your kid off at school, right. this is the place. But, and maybe you know, that's my secret sauce. And as you right. begin to think about expanding there, the third one could genuinely be brand differentiation. Like you said, that what's your eye is what makes these stores succeed, which is probably in some ways much easier to scale because you can now multiply that almost infinitely as long as you, these designers can keep up with you. And even mm -hmm. if they can't, maybe one of the quirks and fun things is that you can go to the Estilo in Austin and have a different selection than you do in Houston or Dallas. And in right. fact, maybe even the three boutiques in Austin are famous because of the fact that they're all the same, but they're all different. How cool right. is that? In other words, these are ways to pick these unique aspects and not lose them, but scale them. Um, and part of this, I said, comes from going back and getting away from the business and sitting down and thinking and going for a long walk and going, how could I take this thing and figure out some way to scale it in an interesting, clever way? But then part of this comes from figuring out truly what are the differentiators and not necessarily what you just think are the differentiators, but in fact, knowing what the differentiators are, which is you have this advantage that you have this very, very deep relationship with your customer, but it might be helpful if you don't already have this to, to get someone else to help you do a deep dive, right. which is see if people would submit to doing some focus group with someone who's actually walking them through, why did you choose here? Where else do you shop? What do you think about? And without you participating necessarily, but some way for you to come away going, wow, I, I had no idea how important this was and how unimportant this was. Right. I'm picking these things out of five minutes of conversation with you, which is you know location, personal touch, and selection. But maybe there's a... 
I love the fact that she has little bunnies loose in the store <laughs> that are always hopping around, you know? Right. Or the thing is, you go, I don't know, that was just weird. My daughter left yeah. her bunny here, you know? And I, but you, you just never know. And That's sometimes true. those little quirks um, end up being the things that have this powerful uh, magnetism. Right. But I guess my, my again, getting back to the, that, that last little section, yeah, I do know a little bit about. So I take that back from when I warned you, I don't know what I'm talking about. So the part that I'm not 100% confident about is the sense of I wouldn't necessarily, I would stick to your knitting, which is mm -hmm. since you know bricks and mortar storefront retail, right. I'd be thinking of how you innovate in an area you know, okay. um, including taking some figuring out and being clever about how do you expand at minimal risk. I mean, have you done pop-ups? Have you done... Uh, we have. Those, we have. That, we've done pop-ups all over Austin. Well, not all over, but a couple of places in Austin. And they've done okay. Um, I think we could probably do more to try to get a sense of people's reaction. Um, and that's a great idea. Uh, during COVID, it was probably easier to get space. Now I think real estate is just crazy. Um, but I think that's a great idea to do a pop-up. Yeah. Or, or in other words, you can partner with a specific store who are... In other words, if there's a... Uh... Uh, a furnishings store, and you do oh, a, do a little, do a space yeah. swap. You'll okay. let them. You'll put their furniture in your store, and you'll put clothing in their store. Just something to again. These are all just ways to try and play mm -hmm. with expanding your footprint in creative way, in clever ways to try and see what can uh, possibly um, uh, help you scale. Right. Um, I mean, it seems like investing in the right people is obviously number one in the sense of can I semi-duplicate myself and that personal touch with staff in Houston, with staff in Dallas. Um, and that's, you know, that's the struggle is, you know, it's hard to hire right now. Um, so to find staff, especially outside of the city you live in, I'm sure is not easy. Um, and getting kind of the training manual, so to speak, on how do you evoke this kindness and this warmth um, naturally. That's so unbelievably hard. And anyone who has traveled knows how hard that is. I mean, that if you think about even the brands that are unbelievable at that, you know, I, I know Four Seasons sometimes comes to mind mm -hmm. or these really high-end chains where you go, gosh, right. every single person is so on. It's impossible for most of us to do it. So <laughs> as you begin approaching that methodology, is I'd be thinking less about how do I hire the right people, but down the other direction you were saying, which is how do I put in place the tools mm -hmm. and the guidelines that allows someone who is not as good as me mm -hmm. to be effective. And it could be that's where you begin to use technology. You know, you do video an hour a day in, in other stores. Yeah. Where you're, where I've you're thought available. of that before. Yeah, I've thought of that before. I'm doing a video like, hi, welcome to Estilo, and thank you for working here. Here is our training manual with me showing you how I speak to a client and you know, you literally to having client? myself interacting. Yeah, you, you mean, I'm saying you, 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 someone in Houston comes in and he goes, oh, from, um, you know, from 10 to 11, Stephanie's going to be here remotely, <laughs> but here. Remotely. You know, so it's, I don't know. Again, that's why I was. This is a pretty crappy idea, which is why I was scared to <laughs> scared to share it with you. But nothing's off limits as long as you get back to this focus on. Right. It starts with really understanding your brand, which mm -hmm. comes from your seventeen years 
but then not relying on that, trying to independently validate it by right. finding out from a customer's what really is it that attracts you to them. That's why right. when I asked the question of who your online customer was, it wasn't necessarily some are in Dubai, some are in whatever. It was none of them have ever shopped in my, ever been to my retail store, or most of them have. Right. How'd they hear about it? Oh, through search. Or they're driven by brand. I mean, it, it's mm -hmm. that understanding of what was the attractant. So number one is learning deeply what your brand is um, and then saying, how do I multiply these even though they're not self-evidently possible right. to multiply? I mean, franchises do this all the time. Like you have Cracker Barrel, which is like, you know, right. 17,000 <laughs> Cracker Barrels. And, but they're trying to evoke this sense of the kind of stuff that was in the small town store. That's a terrible example, except they're extremely <laughs> successful at being terrible. Um, and you, you just wish that you were as bad as they were. But, that, but you know what I mean. It's, yes. it's finding those brands and what those people have been really successful at is saying, I can't, it's, it's, it's an it's, um, oxymoron to say, I'm going to scale a one of a kind thing. Right. I do like your idea, though, of the formula of across, you know, the, the elementary school. We're also by a Starbucks, so that's constant traffic flow. Um, so there's a lot of different factors, I think, that make us really busy and consistently busy. Um, but again, why we have the retention of customers that we do is because of our personal touch. Um, and again, our, our product selection is um, everybody says there's none like it, even in Houston and Dallas. So again, if I can bottle that up and understand, okay, I do it just because I... It's how I buy and I know the numbers, but if I really understand what is appealing to them and what do they like, the mix of the mainstream with the new um, designers up and coming um, and how that could work in every city, I really like that idea of making it even different in Austin, Houston, Dallas. Um, so that's part of the appeal. Um, go to that store so you can kind of see what she curated for that location. Yeah, it really is kind of interesting because you're not just going, it's, it, it, it's the anti-chain store. Right. Exactly. Where, where you, you know, you go to Urban Outfitters, whatever it is, and I've got, you know, they're, I, they're all cookie cutter. And this right. is kind of cool because they're purposefully uh, not. And it also not. allows you to try a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, the anti chain. The anti chain yeah. chain. Uh, <laughs> trademark. Um, right. I'm going to trademark that. I really like that. Yeah, I'm still stuck, and I'm and so I, you know, I'm gonna, I'll leave you with this, but uh, I'll reserve the right actually to come back and go. I think I was wrong. I would uh, love that <laughs> about the online versus retail. Um, I know that people do compete effectively with Amazon's, but I know it's hard, right? Uh, because operationally and price wise, um, they'll kill you. You can't. Right. Out deliver them. You can't um, out underprice them. Right. It's they just, they're so good. There's no yeah that you've got to say is my selection good enough, and then can I somehow make my personal touch come through online? And gosh, what an interesting challenge that would be. But the reason I'm hesitant is because. It feels to me like it would be an all-in thing. Mm -hmm. That if you said, Mark, I'm walking away from the stores because I'm going to get this right, maybe. But it, gosh, it'd be so hard to be do something so hard in two different areas at the same time. Right. 
Right. I can see that. And I mean, what I love to do is obviously the retail brick and mortar. It's the weird addiction I have. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to own an online piece too. That's very successful. But if I had to choose between the two, unless you told me one was going to make way more money then I'd choose that one. But I, I genuinely love um, and have a passion for the face-to-face with people. I, I think you've got a formula that works. I mean, you, you, you do need to have retail prices to succeed at retail, um, mm-hmm. but you're able to pay that off with this unique selection mm-hmm. and with the service, and that's a great formula. Um, and if you can be clever about ways to scale those things without losing sight of who you are and without losing sight of what are the things that someone can't get online and can't get at Nordstrom's. Um, right. I think you've got a lot of opportunity uh, opportunity there. I think one of the interesting things to try is, uh, do you need to go to Houston and, and Dallas? In other words, the, again, not to harp on Benetton, I think they're out of business. I don't, I don't even know if they're around anymore. But you know their formula was they wanted they wanted to have clusters, they wanted to have them within sight of each other, um, oh. and it was very multiplicative, and maybe that you go if we have different merchandise in each, it actually does work to have them in the same city because the customers overlap, and it's not like I mean Austin's got a population of what a mil- eight hundred thousand a million I don't know something like that big, big. you got a way to go and growing <laughs> oh I'm growing really fast I mean you get. Your whole customer base is moving there every single day, basically. So you've got plenty that's of room. A, that's true, actually. It is a growing city. So if I just keep popping up, I'll get different different yeah. clientele just because of the growth. I think it's really cool. So I, I look exciting. So and uh, I, I hope you uh, take some risks here now that you can breathe a little bit, having been out of COVID. Yeah. Um, and I'd love to check in with you again in, I don't know, a oh, year you. or so and find out... Uh, and then maybe I'll even, I'm in, I'm in Austin a bunch. Maybe I'll even stop yes. in and you can use your personal touch and get me a, I would love into that. some My different florals. <laughs> Bring that shirt. I'm going to style around it. <laughs> I need, uh, can you make me, can you make me hip? Can you make me young? Sure. <laughs> yes. Without looking like an ass. I do like baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can do that. That's Very effortless. I can do that. <laughs> Great. You're a miracle worker. So anybody... <laughs> Who wants to look young and hip but not look like an ass? Estilo is the right. place. Come to me. <laughs> really good at that. Well, Stephanie, thanks so much for taking the time to chat Thank with me today. You. Really interesting. And gosh, I really do wish you the best. I, I, I want Bricks so and Mortar to survive. So go get them. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. If you enjoy hearing about the topics in the show, why not read the book that inspired it? The paperback edition of That Will Never Work. The Birth of Netflix and the Amazing Life of an Idea is out now for purchase online and in all good bookstores. And check out my socials for some awesome book giveaways. And I'll be putting out a free chapter from my audiobook as part of this podcast, so be in the listen for that too. And did you know there's also a video version of what you heard today? Check it out at YouTube forward slash Mark Randolph. There's new episodes every Tuesday. Want to be a guest on the show? Head to markrandolph.com forward slash guest. And while you're there, add your name to my mailing list.